It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Trey. Thank you for joining us for another Thursdays with Mary Langston and episodic guest appearances by Trey. We are grateful for your time and grateful for your questions. So keep them coming. And with that, we will turn it over to Miss Mary Langston. How are you? Hey, Trey. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I hope everyone's having a good week. Are you, Trey? Uh, so far, so good. Um, it's Easter week, right? And Yes, sir. It's Holy is- Week. That's right. That's good. Um, and uh, the Masters just concluded. So, uh, and spring is abounding. It's all around. So, yeah, so far the week's been good. And I hope it's the uh, same for you and for everyone listening. Yes, sir. Me too. Well, let's jump into our questions. Are you ready? I, I think I am. <laughs> as ready as you'll get. Well, as we'll start with ready as I will ever be. That's exactly right. Well, we'll start with our first question. It's from John in Texas. He writes, what did you think about Scotty Scheffler winning the Masters? Oh, my heavens. You want me to take the rest of the week to answer that question? I mean, I mean, you can't. First of all, let's just address the, the tournament itself. I thought was amazing. And it's the only major that's played on the same golf course. So you would think, well, you know, where's the drama? You play a course every day. You, you kind of figure out where you can hit it, where you can't hit it, where you can miss it. And it is some of the most riveting. I mean, having having Tiger there, you know, watching him clearly laboring, but caring mm-hmm. enough about that tournament. To, to walk. It is a very hilly course to walk. Speaking of which, this is a great time for me to stop. You actually got to go for the first time in your life, right? I did. It was incredible. Thanks to you, Trey. What did it's you scary, think of, of the golf course? I was just amazed by it. It was absolutely beautiful, first of all. And everywhere you looked, everyone seemed happy. And it was fun to see people cheer for certain players and like you said, Tiger was extremely popular. So there was a lot of people following Tiger and you could hear them roar. And um, so it was amazing. Thank you, Trey, for letting my brother and I go. Well, my wife also went. Um, I think you went on Thursday. Yes, um, sir. Weather was a little bit better on Friday. And then my father invited um, my wife to go with him Saturday because she's mm. the most charismatic a person in the world to be around and she's always in a good mood. Even when she has to get up at four o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning, she told me it's the <laughs> coldest she's ever been in her life when she got back. And of course she, she would frankly be cold on the surface of the sun. So I know, cause I was watching it on television and as soon as she got in, I knew how cold she was. So I tried to like be sympathetic And I said, well, you know, honey, I mean, it was kind of chilly in the den here too. I had to actually turn on our little gas fire logs uh, to get the temperature up to 71 
because it was on 70. So I had to get it up to 71. So I felt comfortable watching the masters. She still couldn't feel her hands or feet at that point. She was so cold. I don't, I don't think it went over the way that I wanted it trying to like, you know, commiserate with her on her coldness mm-hmm. to her. There's something different about 41 and wind blowing than sitting in front of gas logs when it's 71, <laughs> but I tried Scotty Scheffler. I actually, Mary Langston think I saw him when he was in college playing Augusta. There was a group from the university of Texas that teed off right before we did. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't bet like, a ton of money that he was in that group, but I would bet a little bit. I think I saw him when he was in college playing that tournament, but I didn't know anything about him. And then, you know, he got on tour and he played in the Ryder cup and he you know, certainly seemed like a really, really good, solid, nice young man. And then you watch him play and he does not have like a, that is not a swing that you would go I mean, a lot of the guys on the tour, they they really look like robots. I mean, their swings are so similar. His is kind of, I mean, those foot those feet look like Fred Astaire when he's swinging a golf club. <laughs> I mean, those feet are moving, and usually don't teach that. So, amazing short game, and all of that paled to me in comparison to hearing him interviewed afterward. Mm-hmm. The most humble, appreciate uh, appreciative, faith centric. So, I am really, really, really happy he won for him, and I am also selfishly happy for me because I've been trying to figure out who I was going to like pull for the guys that I have pulled for. I mean, my favorite golfer in the world right now is Bernhard Longer, and he's in his sixties and playing on the Champions Tour. Mm-hmm. So, I needed. I really like Ricky Fowler. He's, you know, going through some swing changes and, you know, not where he wants to be, but I I really, really do like Ricky Fowler, but I've been looking for somebody else to pull for and watching this guy play. And then more importantly, listening to him interviewed after he won, I have found somebody to pull for. Well, thank you, Trey. You know, after he played the interview he had, I liked how he said he just wanted to go home. They asked him, what are you going to do next? And he just said, I just want to go home. I think he's recently married. And um, and he was so honest about what he felt like leading the masters. And and what you what you will pick up on listening to even Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, any of the greats, there is something different about that tournament. Mm-hmm. And so while, yeah, you want to win any tournament and you're happy to win any major for most golfers, that is the major they would pick if they could pick one to win and no small part, because you're invited back for as long as you can play golf, mm-hmm. you, you have a, you have a lifetime invitation. I mean, you can't, if you can't play, they're not going to have you back, but they treat their past champions incredibly well. So you know, he's what, in his mid-20s, he'll be able to play the Masters as long as he's competitively playing golf. He gave a lot of credit to his family. He gave a lot of credit to his wife. He gave a lot of credit to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not that he won, but for, you know, can you imagine? All right, he's seeing off Sunday. 
he pours number one, but Cam Smith birdied it. And then Cam Smith birdied two. And all of a sudden, that three-shot leads down to one shot. You know, you know he was nervous. He had to be. But he looked unflappable on the course. So glad you got to go see it. It's a beautiful Glad my wife got to see it and survived her bout with hypothermia. <laughs> and it's a, it's just an incredible place to walk those grounds. And there is something different about that golf tournament. And they've got a wonderful champion that I know Augusta National is proud of and Scotty Scheffler. Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, John, for your question. Our next question is from Laura in North Carolina. She writes, what is your favorite Easter memory? <laughs> uh, you know, well, when I was a kid, my parents would get Easter dresses for my three sisters. And then my mom, yeah, I always thought I was my mom's favorite. I mean, I really, I, I know, I know I'm not supposed to say that, but I always, I always kind of thought I was, but she, she would buy me leisure suits to wear to church on Easter. And if you love a child, you don't make them wear a leisure suit. To church on Easter Sunday, do you? I mean, I, that that's what's been bothering me the most lately. When I go back and look at the pictures, because my parents always took a picture of the four of us standing in a flower bed on Easter Sunday, and I looked happy. But how can you be happy in a brown leisure suit? So that that's been bothering me a little bit. And then I got older. And the Easter story, you know, when you grow up going to church, the Easter story, while profound, um, is is not it, it, it's a very well-known story. It is not a complicated story. So what I like to do, Mary Langston, is make the simple things in life complicated, as you know. <laughs> so I've kind of focused on other little subplots around that story. Um, I'm fascinated by the guy named Simon that. Uh, carry Jesus's cross when Jesus could no longer carry it. Mm. Um, I think all we know is that his name was Simon from Serene and, um, or Simon the Serenian. I think it's maybe how the Bible refers to him, but mm. just fascinated that you would be like a bystander to history and be asked or, or maybe even made forced uh, to carry the cross and you're probably sitting there wondering, you know, what is going on here? Why am I being asked to do it? And um, I just, to me, it's profound that a, a stranger unwittingly helped the Son of God. And my guess is um, there might be a little extra reward for Simon the Serenian for his willingness to do that. And then I love the story of, you know, when Jesus is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's talking to his father, but his, his mom never did. She never left. Mm -hmm. And then he looks at John and says, you know, behold your mom. And looks at his mom and said, behold your son, which was his way of asking John to take care of his mother. And he did. Mm. I mean, I, you don't find it in the Bible so much as you do other historical works, but John took care of Mary. 
And and then I, I'm always fascinated by the dichotomy between Peter and Judas. You know, Judas betrayed him, Peter denied him. One went on to be the head of the Catholic Church, uh, the other hanged himself. So how they dealt with their own grief and guilt um, in two very, very different ways. So it's a fascinating story for many people. It's the most important story in all of history. It's a simple, elegant, profound story with little subplots that are probably worth taking a look at. Yes, sir. That's very powerful. Well, thank you. And thank you, Laura, for your question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Our last question is from Rick in Oklahoma. He writes, what can be done about gun violence and is more gun control needed? Uh, that's a great question, particularly in the aftermath of yet another mass shooting in New York. Um, when I hear gun control, I do think it's important for people to kind of know where we are. And then because that can sometimes inform and instruct where you might want us to be. And so when when I was in Congress and I would hear the phrase gun control, the first thing I think of is there already are some controls. There are controls on who can lawfully possess guns. Broad categories of people cannot possess any gun at all, not even a bullet. And so we got to know who those broad categories are. If you think the categories should be bigger, that's fine, I guess. I mean, that's certainly a defensible position, but if you don't know the categories as they currently exist, then I don't know how you can argue that they should be bigger. So I do wonder how many people could list all the broad categories of people who cannot currently lawfully possess even a single bullet, much less a firearm. So that's one form of control, controls on the people who can access firearms. And then there are controls on what kind of firearms you can possess. When you hear the word fully automatic, fully automatic weapons are unlawful. They're already illegal. So when you hear fully automatic, you should be suspicious because those guns are already illegal. You don't, you don't need to make them illegal. They already are. And then you get into semi-automatic and there are restrictions, controls, if you will, on the nature of the weaponry. If you want to argue that there should be greater controls, Again, that's a perfectly fine political position to take, but it's not perfectly fine if you don't already know what the controls are. And then the third category, there, there are controls on where you can lawfully possess firearms. Even if you yourself are legal and the firearm itself is legal, there are certain places you can't take a gun no matter what. When I was in the house, all of the, the not all, that, that would not be fair. A lot of the attention was on what they call the gun show loophole that you could go to a gun show like it, you know, like at, at, a, at an auditorium or a convention center. And there are no background checks. So therefore, a convicted felon who otherwise could never lawfully possess a gun can buy a gun. The two challenges with that being your focus of gun control is is actually not correct. Convicted felons are not supposed to purchase firearms no matter where it is. 
Uh, and it's a crime to sell a gun to a convicted felon, whether it's a gun show, whether it's in the basement of your house, or whether it's at a federally licensed firearms dealer. It's already against the law. My next point is, how well is our law being enforced? Uh, gun show loophole guns are not the ones driving up mass shootings. So if you want to close the gun show loophole, okay. Um, are you doing anything to stop mass shootings? Are you doing anything to decrease the homicide rate? Not if, not if the guns being used in those crimes weren't purchased at a gun show. So you're, you're, solving, you're, you're, you're solving some issue that doesn't eradicate the problem. So when I hear gun control, what I really, the, 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 the statistic that goes in my mind, because President Obama was a president for, what, two-thirds of the time I was there? Gun mm -hmm. prosecutions went down under President Obama. And so while you're asking for more gun control laws, you are doing less of a job of enforcing and prosecuting the ones you currently have. And that, to me, is dumbfounding. It is only when you actually enforce the laws that are currently on the books. And look, I get it because I've done it before. There's not a ton of jury appeal in prosecuting a guy who's got a gun in his glove box, but he's a convicted felon or he's been court-martialed or he's a habitual user of, 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 of illicit drugs or any of the other categories that say you cannot possess a gun legally. There, and again, there are broad categories. And so you got somebody who's in that category that has a gun in the glove box. I get that there's not a ton of jury appeal for simply being a prohibited person possessing a firearm. The jury appeal comes in the armed robbery and the kidnapping and the carjacking and the homicide. But the goal is to prevent those, right? Isn't that the goal? The goal is to have less violent crime. So why don't we prosecute the cases that maybe aren't quite so interesting, aren't, don't have the same, I don't want to use the word, you know, they're not sexy, but that's the way prosecutors talk. Those cases are not sexy. They're, 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 they're boring. Simple possession of a handgun by a prohibited person, not a great case. But you better do them if you want to keep the homicide rate down and the armed robbery rate down and the kidnapping and the carjacking. So when I hear gun control, think three things. There are already limits on who can have guns, where you can have them, and the nature of the weaponry you can possess. How are you doing enforcing those laws? before you ask for additional ones. Because having a law on the books that is not going to be enforced, how does that make you safer? That's my little, what, five-minute diatribe on gun control. Well, thank you, Trey, and thank you to all our listeners. I hope you all have a great Easter weekend. Um, well, let me ask you, because I, I feel actually more comfortable asking questions than I do answering them. Well, what is your Easter tradition? I'm sure it involves like hours and hours of perfectness, but what is your Easter tradition? Well, it has changed throughout the years, but we're usually with family. We go to church together and then we usually go to lunch at my parents' house and whoever can come can come and whoever can't, we celebrate later. And now that we're older, we don't really do the Easter egg hunts anymore. And I was always terrified of anything in a costume. So the Easter bunny used to terrify me. So I won't have to worry about that this year, but that's kind of what we do. What about you, Trey? 
Um, yeah, well, I, I never liked like adults dressed like <laughs> rabbits. Um, I, I never got that. I enjoyed the, you know, the Reese's cups that the Easter bunny would leave for me. And then the right. whole negotiating with my sisters on whether or not I could get their Reese's cups and give them something that I didn't like. I don't know. We have fingers. a rule. I go to church. Um, we're going to lunch uh, this Sunday because we're also going to celebrate my parents, I think, 60th wedding mm. anniversary. So it's sweet. some big number. I think it's 60, 60th wedding anniversary. And then I found a verse in the book of, I think, 5th John. I'm not sure where this <laughs> verse is in the Bible, but that Easter actually ends at 3 o'clock on Sundays. Oh, okay. So, I don't know what book in the Bible that's in. I, I've I've been telling people it's, you know, John's fifth epistle, <laughs> but I'll be playing golf. Uh, but only after Easter ends and it ends, you know, at three o'clock on Sunday, according to what I've read. That sounds a lot like your Thanksgiving. I'm sensing a trend. Yeah, Thanksgiving ends at three <laughs> o'clock or whenever the Cowboys kick off. Uh, Christmas Day ends. I mean... I want to spend time with family too. I just happen to have a family member who plays golf. So, so it works out. <laughs> it works out great for everybody. So that's what I'll do. Go to church, uh, go celebrate um, my parents' anniversary, celebrate Easter. I have a sister with a birthday on the day after my parents' anniversary. So I guess that's April 21st. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully Terry will get my sister a present for her birthday <laughs> or else she won't get one. Um, I know she will. Uh, you, you know that Terry will buy one because that's the only way my sister's going to get a present from us. Because <laughs> I don't. I, how do you buy for somebody that's got everything? I don't know. <laughs> well, Terry's so thoughtful. I'm sure she'll figure it out. She is very thoughtful and, I, and, and, and it works out great because it keeps me from having to think of it. So it's a, <laughs> it's a perfect partnership, but I do hope you and everyone else have a great Easter and a chance to reflect on whatever part of the Easter story uh, is most relevant and significant mm -hmm. in your own life and enjoy, you know, the advent of spring, which, um, you know, is, I used to kind of not care that much about spring. It was just kind of a gateway to the summer, but, um, it's, it's a beautiful time of the year that I'm beginning to appreciate more than I used to. Mm -hmm. Me too. Have a wonderful Easter. All right. You take care of yourself and don't, don't stay at church like all day long. I mean, make sure you go get something to eat. Okay. I'll do my best. I have to get outside. Yeah. You get outside. I hope everyone has a fantastic week uh, and Easter, if that's what you celebrate. And we mm -hmm. will see you next week. Thursday on Thursdays with Mary Langston asking Trey gun control questions that he takes 30 minutes to answer. <laughs> Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast on Apple Podcast or at foxnewspodcast.com. You've been listening to the Trey Gowdy Podcast on the Fox News Podcast Network. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.